Welcome to Ethereal Underground. I'm your host, TNT, and this is episode 33. 33, that's that's an interesting number. <laughs> it's kind of like uh, the 13th floor on elevators. But <laughs> I'm very happy to have a, a good friend, a special guest. Fascinating. We, we could have more than one interview. There's so much information, and he, he's super interesting. And I'm happy that uh, we made arrangements. He could be our guest on episode 33, Ethereal Underground. I'd mentioned a little bit about him and his company on Outer Limits show last Monday. But in person, we get a little more detail and he'll have a little more time on this show to bring us up to speed of what he's up to now. But his past, very uh, interesting past. And with that, being said, I want to introduce, and I, I'm not sure. Don't don't get mad at me. I he can pronounce his name uh, correct versus me. Four names, I kind of butcher it, but I say Amar Waja, but I don't know if I got that exactly right, Amar. But what? How would you pronounce your name correctly? Yes, yeah, so it's actually it's actually pronounced. Uh, you, uh, you're you're pronouncing it. Uh, no. Uh... No offense taken at all because it's spelled that way. So uh, totally yeah, fine. I'm saying but, in English, but it's not right. <laughs> right, right. It's uh, it actually is Amir, uh, and Kawaja. You got the the last name correct. Okay. Yeah, it's pronounced Amir, and the best way to remember it is uh, a female horse, Amir. Oh, okay. That's I'm gonna make notes here. Okay. Because it's spelled A-A-M-A-R. That's right. That's yeah. right. Amer. Okay. Thanks for that. But um, whatever you're comfortable with uh, explaining the audience, kind of a little bit about your background. I, I know who you are. We've known each other for many years, but they don't. And then th this is not scripted, so it's free-flowing. Whatever you feel like explaining from your earlier years to now, what got you to your business now, the fantastic uh, entrepreneur, organic growing business that you're doing now, but you had a huge different past than that. And what what made you make this transition? So I'll, I'll let you take over. Yeah, it is a, it's a definitely a little bit of a story. I feel like um, where where I've landed today uh, I've been trained for over the course of the last three or four decades that I've been alive. Um, and, uh, you know, as far back as I can remember, I, I was born in England. Um, I had two Pakistani parents. So we were a little bit of a fish out of water. Uh, born in a place called Turkey, south of England. Um, very nice area. Um and then uh, moved around quite a bit, even spent some time in Nigeria, uh, three years in Nigeria, went to school, uh, went to school there before landing uh, in New York. 
uh, and then um, after a little while, I, I moved to Toronto. And for the last 13 years, I've been in Toronto. And now for the last year, I'm in, in Texas. But, um, you know, going back to your question and what uh, precipitated the advent of um, Mod Garden and why, why did I create this? You know, as far back as I can remember, you know, in my pre-adolescence when I was in England, I used to suffer from um, headaches. And at that time, you just chalk off uh, a minor headache um, and you sleep it off or you pop a pill. But as I advanced through my years um, and I was working on Wall Street uh, at the time, uh, the headaches had gotten so bad that um, I used to end up in the ER with migraines. And uh, I used to go to the ER and I used to ask them for the hardest narcotic that they had and they used to find Demerol and codeine to pump me, to pump me with. And it provided very little relief. Um, and then there was the eczema. Uh, the eczema, again, starts off as innocuous dry skin uh, that we learn to moisturize over or, you know, ignore and say, oh, yeah, that's just part of life. That's what we, that's, everybody suffers from it. It's, it's part of growing up and what have you. But by the time I hit Wall Street, um, I, when I picked up my briefcase, my eczema had gotten so bad, my palms used to tear. The skin on the ends of my palms was um, that delicate. And I had patches uh, in other places too. And I used to use very strong creams. Anyway, fast forward a number of years, um, I ended up leaving Wall Street for personal reasons and moved after 15 years. I was in investment banking. Um, and uh, I used to, uh, just uh, as a side note, what I used to do there was uh, originate mortgage-backed securities uh, for a living for Merrill Lynch. And then I moved to risk management for J.P. Morgan. So I left Wall Street uh, in 2007, it turns out, uh, went to Toronto and started looking into my own health. And somebody came along and gave me minerals. She gave me uh, magnesium supplements, a naturopathic doctor. And after about uh, several weeks, my migraines began to subside. My energy started to come back. My eczema also began to go away. And I began to ask myself, well, what are minerals and where do they come from? And as I began to look into that, you know, then you, the, the short answer is minerals come from food. Vitamins and minerals come from food. I was like, okay, well, what's food and where's our food coming from? So at that time, I began to um, eat organically because I, I began to understand the difference between pure food versus less pure food or conventional food, as the case may be. And I ended up at farms and I started asking questions. I started asking people about farms. Um, and again, it came down to, well, yeah, it's uh, there were inputs and chemicals going into our soils and that was affecting the food that we we're eating. And that's what basically precipitated the start of Mod Garden. Yeah. And I remember you back then. So uh, in this uh, transition from Wall Street and then embarking on. That's right. Organics. Um, and then the knowledge that you got, the, the studying and farming and then the absolute 
absolute need. We can uh, we talk a little bit in in this episode. I, I you probably have if some statistics memorized, or even if if they're close. But the trend that we've had for many decades of small family farms going by the wayside, and then you have these giant corporate farms, and then the farming techniques that deplete the very complex society of microorganisms in the soil. And then we end up getting kind of sterile food or it could be genetically modified crops as well as pump full of pesticides and herbicides by our favorite companies being sarcastic, like former Monsanto, now Bayer and other companies like that. Mm-hmm. What, what uh, do you have any figures offhand memorized or, or know of how many farms we used to have, like say maybe a hundred years ago and the percentage of farms per person versus today, uh, how many small farms are left and how much farming is done by these big corporate monsters. Yeah. Monsters meaning in size, these giant. That's right. Monster companies. That's right. It's, it's a factory farms and in the, the industrial farms that are taking over the small farmers. Um, so just a uh, hundred years ago, there were 6.6 million farms actually in the United States. And now there's less than 2 million. Um, one farmer used to feed eight people on average a hundred years ago. That ratio now has dropped to one farmer feeding 180 people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one farmer cannot feed 180 people. What's happened is the there's been a mass consolidation as a result of mega city development or city development. The city planners have been approached uh, because there are trends in populations toward cities and the city planners then partner with the real estate people the real estate developers, they forgot to partner with the farmers. So they partner with the real estate developers, the real estate developers build these massive dwellings, you know, these condo towers and um, massive developments. They invite all the people in and they're like, oh, wait a second, we gotta feed these people. And so those farmers that were sitting on on the margins, have been eased out because they laid ever-increasing, ever-expansive concrete to create these dwellings and these developments. And uh, these small farmers have disappeared. And so what happens is they then bring in a Walmart and say, yeah, the, the way to feed people is let's throw a gargantuan superstore in the midst of this development so that we can feed everyone. What Walmart does is it says, okay, well, we need to feed X number of people, 10,000 people, let's say, and we need uh, X number, you know, these ratios of lettuces and turkeys and what have you. So they go to the small farmer and they go to, and and they ask the small farmer, hey, we need a thousand heads of lettuces and uh, they all need to look the same. The small farmer goes, I can't do that. I grow food with love and care. Um, 
I don't grow food in a using you know typically kept um, chemicals or pesticides or um, machinery automation. There you when you grow food with love and care, you're on the field. You're growing food like like they're your pets. You're taking care of them. Mm-hmm. So Walmart then says, well, if you can't supply us, then we're going to go somewhere else. And then they bypass or marginalize that farmer and they go somewhere else who can do it. And these large corporations, the Syngentas of the Bears of the world and the Monsantos of the world, um, then go in and say, well, you know, hey, we'll buy you out. And that small farmer now is surrounded by corporate farms over the years, over the decades. And right. this has gone exponential over the last seven decades. Since the 1950s, it went exponential. Yeah. So the, 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 the curve has gone up in terms of mass consolidation. It's a massive number. 6.6 million farms, small mom and pop farms, to less than 2 million today. Right. It's a tragic number if you really well, begin to start to think about it. And so then these large corporate farms take over and they send the so now they have to supply Walmart, who's demanding the corporate, you know, the corporate food. Well, now Amazon, um, Whole Foods came around, and who bought Am- who bought Whole Foods? Amazon bought Whole Foods. Yeah. What business? What business is Amazon in? Amazon is in the commodification of iPhone cell case, cell phone cases. They make uh, eyeglass cases, and they make you know, whatever. In on mass, they extract cost exponentially from the stuff that they make. Do you want them growing your food, making your food? Yeah. Do you want Bill Gates, who's now the largest uh, ag owner in the United States, control of your food? Right. And that's what's happening. Uh, Jeff Bezos is doing it. And Bill Gates is uh, just a, a whole other story. Um, he's got other um, investments in hydroponic type um, systems, and that seems to be the next wave of it's going to become a $25 billion market in about 18 months uh, by 2024, 2025 timeframe. And some people are saying, I think it's actually going to be even larger than that. Well, what is hydroponics? So anyway, just before I get into hydroponics, the, the, the issue that we're facing here today that I alluded to is the reason why I got sick is what I found in the way that corporations are treating our soil mortified me. Yep. And that's why I pulled back and I was like, we need control back as we had 100 years ago where people had control of their farming. We have lost control of our farming. It is now, now hopefully this picture is being painted, it is now largely centralized. Just four giant agrochemical companies control 60% of the global seed sales. Just four. We have lost control of our seeds and we're losing control of our farming. The poor, organic, regenerative farmer, it has to be regenerative. I'm, I'm going to... The, the whole organic word has been completely redefined and butchered. Correct. The small organic regenerative farmer is, is dying, is dying off, and they need help. They're surrounded by these massive corporate farms. So 
less, less than 1% of the 911 million acres of U.S. farmland is certified organic. If I came to your dinner table and I sprayed 99% of it with cockroach insecticide killer, would you eat off of the 1%? And that's, that example that I just gave you assumes that that 1% is concentrated in one place. The truth is that there's less than 2 million organic farms. There's le, sorry, not less than 2 million. There's less than 1% farms out there and they're all spread, spread across the United States. Organic regenerative farming is an island in a sea of chemical-based farming. Right. Well, and um, that's, that's, a, that's a major problem. Well, I think you have a couple points I want to share, and then I'll let you resume because I, I don't want to sidetrack your thought. In the, uh, I know for a fact in the 70s, uh, when back in the days in the 70s, when you had the younger Henry Kissinger and Brzezinski and, and mm-hmm. that, that group of the 70s, so they're probably late 30s, early 40s, they... Uh, it was well established that statements were made if if you can control the food, you can control the people. You yes. control the food, you control the global population. And the reference was made more so than economic and military control. If you can master controlling the food, that's where it's at. And then there were papers written um, of these think tanks, you have the Club of Rome and Trilateral Commission, Council of Foreign Relations, kind of the movers and shakers that affect policy and they're in their lobbying. Part of that group, you have that wonderful World Economic Forum uh, that got started in the early 70s, 71, thereabouts. Yeah. And uh, they definitely they definitely finance and push big ag. They definitely wanted to dominate seed production. They financed genetically genetically modified organisms, GMO. And they were pushing to get that ratio to flip from 6.6 million farms and one farmer feeding eight people to now less than 2 million and one farmer feeding 180. And then uh, the big commercial farms where you have plastic, I'm just, I'm exaggerating here, but you have plastic-like styrofoam produce because the soil is anemic. Uh, What's interesting, you know this, when we met uh, years back, one of my degrees is uh, I went to an exclusive private school for this degree. I have a chemistry degree and I have an environmental science degree. And in environmental science, it's that's a, it's a tough degree to have because it's basically uh, geology, uh, hydrology, meteorology, chemistry, bio- biology, uh, and soils. Well, I specialized in soils, wow. and um, I, I did did a lot of work. The professor I had, who was head of the department, extremely knowledgeable in that. And that's one of the reasons why I went to that school is to um, be in his classes. I took all of his classes. And um, since I graduated, 
there realizing the the, the whole planet, the lifeblood of every human, land-based animal, and insects, and then you can go below her when you get into the bacteria. This whole planet mm -hmm. is sustained by, on average, anywhere from, and don't quote me on this, it, it varies, but anywhere from 18 inches to 40 inches of the street name would be topsoil or your yeah. uh, O horizon, your A, O and A horizon soil. So the entire life of planet Earth rests in 17 to 40 inches of the soil and the complexities of the soil. So here's what's interesting, uh, Amir, that uh, when I had reunions with the classmates and the professor and current curriculum of environmental scientists, so the new kids coming up with that designated degree, do you realize and I think this is a conspiracy, and I, I don't, I don't mind that. Can you see my tinfoil hat? I keep that on. <laughs> I I There's a shimmer. Custom, There's a shimmer in the back. Yeah, it, it was custom made, so uh, right. I'll take it everywhere I go. So, what's interesting is the new graduates, and this is for a number of years now. Not all the school, but almost over ninety percent of the schools. Guess what they took out. They completely took out of the curriculum and is no longer taught in environmental science. Soil. soil. They took it out. I'm like, what? What? Wow. Environmental science, you took out soils? That's that's like getting a, a physics degree or, or, or engineering and uh, wow. space travel, and you, you took away any type of compression, combustion, uh, explosion, implosion, ion propulsion. How, how do you graduate with an engineering degree or an aeronautical degree? And they, they took all that. So I'm telling you, the only reason that can be is it's got to be conspiracy. They are dumbing down and they are hiding the fact of how important soil is and understanding the complexities uh, of the soil. And the next generation of environment, they'll be void of that knowledge. It simply will not exist. So once once my group dies off, we're it. There won't be anyone left that understands soil. And you, you probably know this, but for the listening audience, it takes 100 or more years to rebuild soil yeah. and to get, to get soil healthy. And it's being ruined, obviously, at a much faster rate than it can be rebuilt. It's an actual science to rebuild soil to a point you can have a true organic status of an organic farm because like you said i think that the organic of uh, anyone can slap on an organic label now it's not yeah like it used to be so and then they're trying to lobby hydroponics to be organic and that there's a lot of information maybe you have some thoughts on this i'll just say this two sentence because i don't want to hog the interview it's about you but uh, I go ahead and boo and hiss at me if it's the listening audience. I don't care. Based on my background, graduated top of the class. I'm not an idiot. I have many patents as well. Soil is absolutely the best way to grow fruits and vegetables and plants. 
as opposed to the controlled hydroponics. When you, when you look on the internet, there's pros and cons of both. And there is a, is a big push. Yeah. Hydroponics is the way to go. You, you can control the the chemistry. It's like, well, no, there's a lot more, a more, lot more involved in that. So I see a push in de-emphasizing soil. It's no longer taught in environmental science classes to get your degree. And now they're pushing hydroponics. I see so many red flares or red flags it might as well be 4th of July celebration. Now, with that being said, I'll shut up and let you talk. Okay. Um, very, very, very good. You're, you're, you're right on. I, I think um, where I'd, I'd want to take kind of take the next uh, thread is, why don't we define food? You're absolutely right. It is all about the soil. Um, and, and just a, a side note, the same genus taxonomy um, that you see above ground in terms of species, you know, human beings, dog, cat, uh, bird, chicken. Yep. The same taxonomy is exists below the ground. Correct. And 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 that uh, so in other words, if the above ground visual nature, half of nature, is that complicated, it, it's just as if not more complicated what's going on below ground. Yeah, and we have Exactly. And we have the audacity to think that we can spray three molecules or three elements, uh, NPK, nitrogen, phosphorus, oh. and potassium, which Correct. is the main ingredient for fertilizer yep. uh, that goes into the soil and say, oh, that is the food that the plants need and that should be good enough. Yeah, that's it's, literally a, it's literally a heroin shot to the plants. That's correct. If we take heroin, it's not going to end well. Where, if you imagine us, uh, a human being taking heroin, they'll take heroin, they'll feel good. They'll take heroin, they'll feel good. You know, for a month, they'll probably feel good. Two months, they'll probably feel good. But then eventually, you know, maybe six months, if not earlier down the line, they're begin to, they're gonna begin to exhibit some sort of an ailment, whether it's headaches or energy loss or whatever. Yep. And then instead of removing the heroin, they get treated with headache medicine. They get treated with energy medicine, whatever that, whatever that is. Oh, we got to get your energy back. Okay. Take this narcotic. Oh, take this thing. And, and it becomes this massive web of chemical infestation in the right. human body for the heroin addict. That is exactly what's going on in the soil. You, that, yep. You're correct. And That's exactly what's going on in the soil. Yeah. And just not to, uh, oh, I was just going to, this is a pun intended. I was going to say not, not to get into the weeds, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Uh, several things I'll just highlight and let let you uh, resume. At minimum, uh, as, as a fact, and I, I could talk for eight hours more on this subject nonstop. But the yeah, the so-called heroin injection of just three corporate minerals. No, the, there's a minimum of seventy-seven minerals that need to be in the the soil or more. Seventy-seven or more for a healthy complex um, for soil community to function. And uh, there are cofactors. For, for example, people don't realize this. Absolutely what's needed in healthy soil composition is very small trace amounts of arsenic. Have to have arsenic. Arsenic is a huge catalyst. It's a, it's a cofactor in order to have sophisticated chemical reactions to take place in the soil for uh, roots to uptake nutrients. Arsenic is extremely important. Small 
percentages, but you got to have it. Well, weeds, you, you the, the concept is weeds are bad. Do you know that That's right. weeds serve as a function? Sometimes weeds are a defense mechanism for the plants right. growing. Also, weeds communicate. They send chemical signatures and they communicate within the soil. And they also provide nutrients and cofactors for the... So not all weeds are bad. The, the slash and burn and this Agent Orange mentality of getting rid of all weeds and just having... They completely misunderstand and they're butchering the ecosystem of how plants, weed, weeds are absolutely necessary uh, in conjunction, especially if you know the the family and how it works. You have to have a certain percentage of weeds with your heritage crop. They work together as a family. All those skills are lost because I'm rambling too much, but I'll, I'll, I'll finish with this. A lot of this mercantilism expansion, when you had the European advancement with colonies forming, you know, they always like rounded up and butchered and got rid of all the indigenous people. <laughs> uh, and then they had that uh, European economic model. But when they got rid of all these indigenous people, maybe, you know, I'd, I'll go ahead and say it, maybe forms of genocide. They killed all that knowledge, all that knowledge that these indi indigenous people had of agriculture and, and how to have healthy soil and understand plant life that was all lost thousands of years of knowledge were lost and it's a struggle to get that knowledge back but go ahead yeah um exactly uh that knowledge is lost and you know when i when i look at my kids when we look at uh, the kids that are coming out of school no one wants to become a farmer nope no one wants to become a farmer it's very it's just not a place that people want to be now they are actually getting into it but they're getting into hydroponic farming which again, I'll, I'll come back to in a second. So before we get into some of the weeds here, um, let's define food. I like to start at the top here. What is food? Food is basically a transport mechanism to get nutrients into your cells. So if you eat food, it comes into your mouth. It doesn't, satiety doesn't sit at your stomach. People think, oh, I'm full, I'm done. But yet we keep eating. Why do we keep eating? Why do we have an obesity epidemic here? Because the cells have not been satiated. The cells haven't received the very thing that the food that you're putting into your mouth is supposed to provide, which is, I have an umbrella term for it. You're probably aware of it, essentials. Okay. Essentials are like, essentials is an umbrella term for vitamins, amino acids, enzymes, proteins, carbs that food has that then gets into the stomach and enters through our intestines into the lymphatic superhighway through the bloodstream and knocks on every one of our doors. And then the key is, does that mineral, does that essential get into the cell or does it stay outside, locked outside? And the difference is, are you eating from soil or are you eating from dead dirt? And the stat is, less than 1% of our soil is certified organic. I'm not going to make a judgment on that one, but 99% of the food that we're getting, the point is the 99% of the food that we're getting is sitting outside our cell membrane and is not getting in. Yep. And so we're not mineralized. Our, our bodies are not mineralized. And then going back to my the, the initial story, somebody gave me minerals and my headaches went away. And that was a connection. Right. And, and that, know, is, that is, that uh, is, uh, Amara, what's interesting when you touched on it 
about the heroin addict and getting that mm -hmm. fix and then it and, and as it wears on then there's other other complications and then it's a pharmaceutical uh web of intrigue yeah. and nightmare what's interesting you're, you're right when the body Proper organic food and the nutrients and the lymphatic system and the superhighway, you've got to get those nutrients intracellularly into the cell. That's right. Uh, most of the soil is dead soil or anemic soil. It's not rich in organic. So what happens is people eat, and you mentioned obesity. This is correct. So <laughs> here's how the economic model works. Listening audience, Amer knows this, yeah. but... Uh, your, your cells will continue to send chemical signatures that your brain processes of hunger. Well, you're always hungry. You're always hungry because the cells aren't getting the proper nutrients intracellularly through the vesicles, the mitochondria, the nucleus. So they're sending out hunger signals. What does the economic model do? Uh, I don't know. Maybe a $20 billion snack industry. Mm -hmm. Chips, candy bars snack packs so what happens is people nibble and snack all day long they're actually starving to death not getting the nutrients they they're getting those hunger signals so to duct tape over the problem that's like an auto mechanic saying exactly. you know just fix this it says service engine this light keeps going on the automatic mechanic goes all right i'll take care of that he reaches under the dashboard and pulls the light bulb off and goes problem solved so <laughs> what they do is that you have a multi-billion dollar snack industry which makes people obese, unhealthy, never fixed or addressed the problem, but they made an extra $17, $20 billion at the expense. Yeah, this is a, a racket, what's going yes. on with our food and health and disease. And then the pharmaceutical company just creating uh, chemical formulations, very advanced chemical formulations, but all they do is kind of mask the problems, like pulling that light bulb out yes. under the dashboard thinking you fixed the problem. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, so okay, so get yeah. So getting back to whether the whether it gets what is what is the mechanism that will ensure that the mineral or the essential gets into your cell membrane, and you'll find it in soil, and you will not find it in dead dirt, or you will not find it in a soilless growing medium, which is now all the rage today, which is that $25 billion industry. And the key is the humates. That's, there's so much going on, but just to keep it very simple for the audience, the key are humates. Um, there's a humic acid that's produced on the fly, by the way, when microbes in the soil, now this is living soil, right. microbes in the soil, interact with root hairs of the plant. The root hairs um, create this byproduct out of thin air, out of thin soil, um, called humic acid or the humates, the humic family, um, and fulvic acid, F-U-L-V-I-C, yep. not folate, right? A lot of people think. Uh, yeah. So the humic acid gets taken up through the soil into the plant, and now the plant has the all the minerals and the humic and the humates inside the plant. When we eat that plant, it begins to transport itself through the lymphatic system. And what happens is the humic acid comes to the cell membrane, dilates the cell membrane, 
And the fulvic acid joins onto the essential, which is the magnesium or the cobalt or whatever, the manganese, whatever mineral it is that the plant that we've eaten is supposed to provide us. And like a toll booth, lets it into the cell. And that is a process of satiating or filling our cells up the way we're supposed to with the essentials. And we need a, about the, the party line right now is the science right now is that we need about 104 different essentials. We need 82 trace minerals. We need 11 amino acids. We need a certain amount of enzymes, vitamins, 22, blah, 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 and on. That yeah, is a little the, over a hundred, little over a hundred yes. essential vitamins and minerals, and they need to be plant-based, not uh, clay uh, or coral. So, a lot of times, if you have supplements, these nutritional stores, if it's a clay metallic-based or coral-based, the body can't absorb it. You you have to have the plant-based vitamins and minerals, these essentials, and you have to absolutely have to have humic and fulvic acid and you can't get those through hydroponics no so yeah let's get let's get to the hydroponics so uh, you touched on uh, supplements supplements work in a very very limited manner um number one there is nowhere in nature that you'll find magnesium by itself you'll always find magnesium with some other uh, mineral in mm -hmm. the plant whichever plant you have that those are cofactors or those are those are enablers let's call them enablers yep. that enable the magnesium which is the primary reason you're eating the spinach let's say to get into your cells and there's so much complexity behind that that just to say i'm going to give you a magnesium supplement is and on top of that it's synthetic and so that is really where oh, the crux of, again another crux of the matter comes down biological versus synthetic and the original meaning actually i don't think the original meaning of organic was biological but it was basically leave the farmers alone and use organic fertilizers or use stuff that's found in nature um but that's that's a whole different issue so what's the difference between biological and synthetic so the process of fertilization is synthetic you're basically a regenerative farmer the reason why they're called regenerative is because um, they allow nature to do most of the work and the farmer is just overseeing how nature is doing the work and making sure that it's moving along in the right way. You don't really need the farmer, but if you're planting, you know, 50 heads of lettuces, fine, go right ahead and plant it, but just make sure that you're managing that properly according to nature. Um, now, what Fertilization does, and so that's 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 biological. Regenerative is biological. Biology or nature is doing the work. Reg um, synthetic, which is fertilization. What's happening here is that um, um, these corporations in the 1950s, after the World War, have come along. World War II have come along and said, "Oh my God, we can grow a plant. Look at this plant." We inject NPK into it, into the soil, and the plant grows like crazy. It grows big and shiny and all of that. Yes, if you add, it's like you asking for a glass of water. If you ask for a glass of water, you're going to get to take the glass of water and you're going to sip it when you desire to have the sip of water. I'm not giving you a fire hose. If I gave you a fire hose to drink from, you'd, like, you'd be overcome with that gushing of water. 
that's mm-hmm. exactly what fertilization is. You come in and you spray nitrogen into the bed of the soil. The plant is gushing with nitrogen. Uh, the nitrogen fixing bacteria are thriving because they're getting all unlimited amounts of nitrogen. The other bacteria that the microbes that are living in the soil are not getting the food anymore because they're being overwhelmed with this nitrogen that's being added, flooded into the soil. The plant is growing and um, all the other life is dying off. And so when that life goes into an imbalance, it's like eating Twinkies for a living. If you eat Twinkies for a living, your body is going to start going into imbalance because you're not getting vegetables, you're not getting meats, and you're not getting anything else. So your body is going to go into an imbalance. Your gut micro- microbiome is going to thrive on sugar, sugar microbes instead of the, the good microbes. That's exactly what's happening in the soil. The soil is like the gut microbiome for the plants, essentially, and it has that diversity there. So just getting back to this point of biological versus synthetic, if we're feeding I haven't seen an instance in nature where we eat something that is non-living for something that's living. So synthetic is generally considered non-living, but we're biological beings. We eat things that are living. We haven't thrived for a millennia on food and uh, uh, things to keep us alive and vivacious that wasn't biological. It was either an animal, it was a living plant, et cetera, et cetera. Now all around us, we're seeing food that is basically derived synthetically. So it, whether it's the supplements that are derived synthetically, whether it's the 911 million, 99% of the 900 million, 11 acres, 911, 911 million acres, 99% of it, that's derived synthetically. Um, and it's coming home to roost. We are the sickest generation to date. We have more incidences of chronic disease than at any time in history. A hundred years ago, we died of trauma and infection. Today, we're dying of chronic disease and so on and so forth. That's so that's 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 basically the the, the difference that's that's happening there, you know, in, uh, as it relates to biological versus that. So the the next point that I would make is let's take a look at hydroponics. What's going on in hydroponics or what's not going on in hydroponics? So hydroponics is this new wave, hydroponics, aeroponics, and aquaponics. There's three main systems that have um, emerged over the last, I would say, two-ish odd decades, but they've really taken off in the last decade to the tune that some of my competitors are raising hundreds of millions of dollars, $400 million for um, Plenty, which is a massive indoor um, a vertical farm. A vertical farm typically means that uh, you've got layers, you've got a shelf and another shelf on top and another shelf on top, another shelf on top. And the roots of the plants are extended into some sort of a watery mist. And that watery mist or water tank contains a very small sliver of nutrients, the NPK, generally speaking. Now, when you look at at the rainbow, you see Roy G. Biv. But we all know that the spectrum of the rainbow is much broader than that. Roy G. Biv is a sliver. It's like two fingers in a wide hand span of spectrum that the sun emits. Right. It's 
it's almost the same thing that's happening in the plant, in the, in, 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 in the food of the plant. NPK is a narrow spectrum of nutrients in a broad spectrum of nutrients and minerals that the plant actually needs for it to thrive and thus for us to thrive. And so the whole industry, this whole soon to be $25 billion industry, and now they're beginning to name, label it as organic. Some parts of it are beginning to be labeled as organic hydroponics is pretty much built on NPK, a narrow spectrum of nutrients. If that is how the plant is growing, that plant is basically like a brain dead patient plant. What do you feed a brain dead patient? You feed a brain dead patient slop. It's barely alive. Does it exhibit vitality? Does it exhibit energy? Does it exhibit, you know, the healthfulness of a human body? Or is it, it's the same with the plant. It looks like a plant, it's quacking like a plant, but is the plant healthy for you? And that is the argument that I maintain with hydroponics and aeroponics and to a lesser degree, um, aquaponics, but that, that is not a technology that's scalable. So these technologies have come onto the market. All the new millennium generation that is going into farming is pretty much going 99%. I, I'm not going to say 99%, 95 plus percent of the new farmers of the world are learning how to grow hard, hydroponically or aeroponically. And that is, that is, that is simply an extension of industrial agriculture. Yeah, because we're getting right back with those farming techniques. There'll be yield, but yes, it, it's not getting the nutrients into the cell. You're not able uh, because you're you're missing your fulvic and humic acid. You're not going to exactly. get uh, the cell open and the nutrients uh, in intracellularly inside the cell. So your uptake it's it's not there. It's it's a twinkie. That's right. Of, of plants here here's something that's interesting uh because i'm go going back to my tinfoil hat again which i mm -hmm. i tend to do maybe that's what i'm known for in these shows but have you ever thought of this you don't have to comment on it because i'm this is not rehearsed i'm springing us on you we, we have the gut brain axis that gut brain corridor gba and you have your enteric uh microbiota and your central and enteric nervous system. So for the listening audience, what that means is your gut biome uh, has a brain and there's communication between your gut biome and your, and your brain. And when you have cravings or addictions, that's coming from your gut biome. So the predominant chemistry or community of gut biome that really kind of dictates your behavior your eating habits and even influences your thinking process what i what i'm concerned about is since so many of us we we don't have access or it's rare to have access to real organic food um, it's it's super expensive too so there's price prejudice involved it's it's expensive to eat healthy and organic but most people don't have access to that. They're eating food that's not nutritional and really has a large component of synthetic when you're dealing uh, biological regenerative farming versus synthetic farming. I've proposed in studies and research that I've been involved in and I, I continue to do research. There's a foreign 
synthetic gut biome that's dominant amongst the human population. And that synthetic foreign gut biome that's not organic, it's influencing people's thinking and behavior. And I just wonder if you hear about zombie apocalypse and uh, pharmaceuticals that are changing DNA. It seems like they're, they're getting the gut biome and the food that most people are exposed to and have access to. This gut biome and food is synthetic to match synthetics as far as even genome interference to where if there's a certain small percentage of people, movers and shakers behind the scenes, and they're interested in a transhuman project where people are part organic, part synthetic, they've got the food to match it and they've got the gut biome that's part synthetic to where humans will no longer be organic anymore. And I think they want to try to interface humans with a synthetic component and AI in this virtual reality world. And they don't want people eating organic food, having a natural, healthy microbiota in their system, but they want a corporate patented, part human, part synthetic Borg-like human society. I know that's a long statement I made, uh, but the research that I do is this is what it's indicating, but I don't know how you go about trying to tell the population this. They lock me up, throw the key away. think I'm nuts. Yeah. Um, and uh, my, my, my plight is uh, we need to arm the urbanites where larger populations um, live, populations exist, population centers. They're the ones who are the economic powerhouses, right? The rural organic farmer does not have the economic might to fight against the onslaught of corporate and factory farming and the the pharmaceutical company, um, the the narrative that's held by the pharmaceuticals and the corporates. Yeah. The way to do this is to educate the urbanites and to give them control of farming again. And that's that, what is, that is how I've worked it out in my mind. That's what you've done with your mod garden where you have these modules and they're stackable. You, you could be in an urban setting. You don't have access to a garden or land, but you can convert a portion of your apartment or flat and designate a wall and interact with your food. And because it's soil, it's a soil based system where you can grow your fruits and vegetables in an urban setting. It's, it's genius. Um, uh, I, I don't, thank you. I don't know. I don't know if it's genius or not, but, um, I, what I've worked out in my mind is, um, that, uh, this is, this is an education problem. Um, and we need to get back to nature, but how do you bring nature in an urban box setting? You know, all the houses are in the court, you know, these condos are made out of boxes, yep. notwithstanding that in order to do it, I think what we need to do is we need to get people farming again and that's what we call a tiny farm get people farming again even at a small level but during this process during the, this this time that they're farming and they're learning about soil we'll teach them about soil we'll teach them about food we'll also teach them about the rural farmer what is the rural farmer really doing we're not trying to kill the rural farmer in fact we want to lock arms with the rural farmer as an urbanite and bring them into the picture and say, wow, what are you doing? Now we understand what you're doing and now we can support you because the urbanite is so far removed from their sources of food 
yeah. that they don't care. No. And so we need to bring that back. And that's what we're trying to do here is we're trying to get them back. And we want to work with the likes of Project Bio, which is Zach Bush's organization, um, Dr. Mercola, um, uh, people like that. And everyone, the Kiss the Ground movement, everyone who's an advocate of soil health and bringing regenerative back. It's a dying, it's it's a dying um, area, and we we need to understand it in order to be able to support it as an urbanite. And you have a good, because uh, we've got a few minutes left. We can always, depending on our schedule, we certainly can always have a part two or part three, which I, I would love, love to. That. Yeah, because this this topic is right up my alley as an environmental scientist, and uh, I want to give it high priority. But it's certainly enough that it can fill a couple episodes but maybe as a teaser leading into a part two or part three in the weeks to come we get our schedules matched up you you have i was watching one of your videos and your interviews you you have an interesting i don't know what it's called it's an interesting concept see if you can help me out here where if, if it's an urban area they can recycle compost or something of that nature with the local farmer that's not too far away and then rebuild soil and then the soil can be used in like your mod tiny farm system and it's a yeah recycled a closed loop yeah a closed, closed loop, loop system are, are you able are you able to describe that in, in like four or five minutes or maybe give sure. us a teaser where sure. episode two you can go into more detail, but it was fascinating how you figured out a way for an urban area. But I'll stop there. You'll do a better yeah. job. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, uh, a mega city or any city thereof is not going to survive um, as long as they pillage from earth, use up the resources of the earth, and then spit it out, which is exactly what we're doing. It's a one-way track. And now there, there is, I know, this ESG movement that's going on, which we're not that's not what I'm speaking about, where we need to start creating closed loop systems. A closed loop system is basically in anything, in, whether it's electricity, whether it's food, whether it's uh, water, where we take Earth's resources, use it in a city, and then return back at least equal, if not more, to the Earth so that you create a positive closed loop system. And so our, our sliver of the world is food, or my sliver of the world is food. And so what I want to do is wherever we use up food or food growing um, aspects in this realm, you know, growing food, using soil to grow food, using seeds. Um, so you eat food, you have table scraps, kitchen scraps, including uh, paper and cardboard. We can take that table scraps, completely rejuvenate it, uh, break it down process it into a usable soil ingredient within 24 hours um, biologically and then whatever emerges out of that becomes an ingredient in our soil and we mix that in our soil again so that creates a closed loop system and if there's any overflow because there's lots of waste coming in and we don't need we don't need all of that soil we would take that and reach we would send it to a farm so that they can rejuvenate their soils again biologically that's a closed loop or a net positive impact to the environment that we hope to make. Yeah, that's that's a neat system. So I, 
that and other topics I'd like to uh, on episode two talk about that. I didn't know that's a quick turnaround. Mary, you said twenty-four hour. Yes, we can re we can reduce waste uh, using microbes and a little bit of heat. Ninety percent of it within twenty-four hours. I'm I'm taking notes. So. Okay. <laughs> that also help on episode two yeah so microbes and heat 24 hour so the, the, the and this makes sense because this, this is table scraps and uh paper and cardboard and uh, this can help this is all part of regenerating and, and recycling that's right it's common sense that's right why haven't that's we been right. doing this all along oh, <laughs> right? it's the technology the technology has been around there's other technology too right worms worm eat worm. table scraps um, they're just a bit slower. Um, and the, now the question is, the business decision for us is, do we put this inside the apartment or do we give it to the uh, apartment, the, the condo tower owner and process it in the basement? And yeah. then when it becomes a rejuvenant, then do we, you know, who picks it up and then, or do we sell it? It's going to be a valuable rejuvenant. Right. And it, what fertilizer are made of. And it can be easily sold. And there you go. All of a sudden, the apartment owner, instead of paying a garbage dump, start to come in and pick up the garbage and all that waste, that's reduced by a great percentage, 30 to 60 percent. It's huge, huge. Yes, huge, so have, if not more. Yeah, you don't have the landfill issues and then the cost that's and right. labor of employees and trucks to transport it to a landfill. And then it's a racket. It's a racket. That's that a racket. It is. Yeah. And then I, I maybe also uh, in the subsequent episodes to whatever you're allowed to discuss. I mean, you'll be the judge of that. Yeah. The, the audience might be interested in hearing that uh, organic food, healthy organic food is a matter of national security. You get the attention of maybe uh, Department of Defense and other Absolutely. agencies who've, who've contacted you and see the need, uh, the multiple needs for this. And it's it's not a laughing matter. It's, it's very serious and you've piqued their interest and you're probably in conversation with them already over this, which I found yeah, fascinating. That's uh... One of the reasons why I'm in Austin. And then another topic, if you want to put another teaser out there, is um, livingness, the livingness within us. And to put a, um, a, a phrase or a word to that is biophotons. Another fascinating, fascinating area. And the plant, the food that we're eating are our main sources of biophotons or the livingness within us to keep it vital and alive is food and, of course, the sun. But we're not getting it from, from our food. As long as Bill Gates has a narrative, controls a narrative on food and right. farmland upon farmland, we're not going to get. And GMO upon GMO, we're not getting the biophotons that we need for a vital existence. Yeah, and they're probably the same group that does the atmospheric salting, the spraying. Could be. Uh, that's, yeah, I think they are. So that's, you've got that tier, that tier element that needs to be dealt with. It's probably, uh, stopping or at least impeding projects like you work on projects that I work on. Uh, it's never a dull moment, is it? Yeah. But we're it's fighting. Best, it's a best you, yes. You and I are fighting. We're not sitting on yes. the couch 
or watching yes. sports or uh, this, is, this um, is not for personal gain. This is not for personal gain. Of course, we have to run a sustainable um, uh, company, but this is this is a company that has people and the planet in mind as equal to profits. Uh, and, and so we run a foundation also at the same time. And this is really to fix the food system here. Now, to, because this is a podcast, so it's not visual, it's audio only. Do you, uh, is it modgarden.com? Do you, can you state what your website is so that they can uh, quickly look it up and sure what we're, yeah. what we're talking about with the, the, the mod garden, the tiny farm? Yes. Uh, so my um, website, the startup is uh, at modgarden.com, exactly, modgarden.com. And then um, if you're interested in the social aspect of what we're doing, you can go to modgardenfoundation.org. And we're also a, a foundation uh, that's doing, has a number of projects that are, that we're trying to get uh, funded. I'm writing notes here. Okay. Modgardenfoundation.org. And then yeah. mod, M-O-D, garden.com is the website. Because we go way back. So I remember when he was first going to start this. Yeah. And you're in Toronto. We meet several times in Chicago and other places. And I, I saw this from start to finish. And yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's fascinating. And nothing's been easy. It's, no. it's been a lot of work that he's put in, a lot of work that I've done with the air and surface technologies and then the structured water. And uh, it's kind of a David and Goliath story. But there are people like us. There are many, thousands and thousands, isn't there? Men, women, and even uh, yes. teenage children that are not giving up. We're trying to help humanity. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, thanks for um, being on the show. This is a great treat. I, what I'll probably do is um load this up and get the file transferred and post it tomorrow okay a lot of people are, are going to be off tomorrow and uh friday saturday maybe traveling so this would be some good listening material because these shows are on like stitcher and spotify apple Podcasts, google podcasts ethereal underground and uh hmm. this uh over the say the next four days, there'll be a lot of people maybe off work traveling and they'll listen to this episode. I'll give you a link too. I'll send it to you. Uh, awesome. tomorrow. And uh okay. you can, yeah, because I think it turned your connection came out well, your internet connection. I, I could hear you. Oh, I wanted to ask before we leave. The only thing I couldn't hear, and I don't know if it was on my end, it, it cut out. What was the can you repeat the name of the town in england that you grew up oh turkey t-o-r-q-u-a-y okay thank you i couldn't hear that because we have some fans in uh england uh norway and other parts of europe that listen to the show and some are from south england so they'll know that township Amazing. Yep. So Amazing. that's that's interesting. From Wall Street to organic farming. What an interesting transition. I think you made the right choice, though. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> I do, too. I'm I glad do, too. 
And you know yeah. what's funny though? What's funny is I got my broker's license in 1986. I was really young, um, a couple of years out of high school. So isn't that funny? I was in Wall Street with my broker's license, didn't like it, and then got into organics and environment chemistry and environmental scientists. You had a Wall Street background. And that all these years later, and as adults, we're in the similar yes. lines of work. That's yeah. what well, it's more than a coincidence. I think it's very, and then our lives met. So it, yes, it's almost like it's almost like you're, you're uh, a brother or a cousin, but that we're related. That's right. We grew up right. on the other side of the brother pond. from another mother. Yeah. yeah that's <laughs> awesome. So uh, it's good to see you. You're looking great. Good to see you. Thank you. And, you too. You haven't aged a bit. So I, something's <laughs> you're doing something right. He has not folks. He has not aged a bit. So he's, he's, uh, looking looking very good and healthy i'm happy Thank to you. see you and then we'll just get in touch and see what your schedule's like for part two we'll find it sounds great yeah right. definitely thank you yep uh, thank you so everyone uh let me know what you think and as i always conclude these uh, get in touch with nature uh, get away from the the tv and the fluorescent lighting and get grounded connected with nature that's what it's all about